Texas Football Today is a production of Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. If you like the show, help us make it. Become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. Besides helping us to make shows like this possible, you'll get two magazines, including our legendary summer edition and a year of access to exclusive content on TexasFootball.com. That includes stuff like premium podcasts like Tep and Step, access to all 61 years of the magazine in our digital archives, recruiting analysis, and must-see insight from the Dave Campbell's Texas Football crew. If all of that sounds good to you, we hope you'll consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe that's texasfootball.com slash subscribe and thanks for listening the texas football today podcast is brought to you by chocolate milk built by nature you can watch texas football today live weekdays at noon at texasfootball.com and on facebook and if you like the show subscribe to the podcast vendor of your choice give us a positive rating and tell a friend yes yes y'all from the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Bunker in an undisclosed location, it is Texas Football Today, a show back in quarantine. My name is Greg Tepper. I am the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live at texasfootball.com or on Facebook, or you're listening to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show i am sitting here sitting over there making us sound good in her own home um i guess this is the first time you're you're um broadcasting from this location though. yes we did a we did a happy hour since i've been here um oh, but it. yes show wise i feel like back in old times because the studio is completely set up here <laughs> she is the duchess of the dork she is back from the weekend it is Ashley Pickle. Hello. You gotta quit saying it like that. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That's how it. That's how it's. It's. It's spelled, right? Yeah. I mean, yes, <laughs> but <laughs> you yeah, sound thank washed. You. Thank you. Correct. <laughs> Today is my, okay. When has that ever stopped me from doing anything? Cold aside, um, guy. Today is Monday, February eighth, twenty twenty one. Two hundred ninety days till Thanksgiving. Episode eleven oh five. Eleven oh five. This is the ERA for Michael Tejera in his illustrious Texas Rangers career. Some like seven innings. He had an 11.05 ERA, so he didn't stick around. On today's show, my friends, we are going to give you some headlines. It's Monday, so we got headlines from the weekend, uh, including uh, major high school coaching changes, notable coaching changes, both at the head coach and assistant coach perspective. We will get into that. Uh, and then back half of the show, we're going to continue our series of college football postmortems in which we uh, take a look at uh, each of the 12 FBS teams in the state of Texas today, A&M, TCU, and Texas State. So we will have that coming up here in just a little bit. Do we have first fourth the door? We sure do. It was Aaron Flynn, Rob Hadaway, Tony Blaylock, and Andrew Christensen. Welcome in, fellas. Welcome in, friends. All right, Pickle. Let's start with some headlines we've got headlines from across the state of texas uh to get into and we will start with a um uh, this was a this was a, a story that kind of popped on our radar a little bit earlier this w- last week mm-hmm. um we had heard some rumblings 
um, that Steve Sarkeesian was interested in adding a high school football coach to his staff there at the University of Texas. Um, and we had heard some rumblings of who it might be, but obviously you can't confirm things and, and, and you know, you got to make sure things go through there. Uh, but we ended up uh, getting word late last week that uh, Lancaster is coming open as the head coach of the Lancaster Tigers. Uh, it is coach Chris Gilbert is leaving South Dallas to head to Austin to become their director of high school relations down there on Steve Sarkeesian's staff. Of, co- co- of course, uh, coach, uh, coach Gilbert has been at Lancaster for a long time and led them to a state championship game uh, back in the earlier part of the last decade. Um, a consistent winner there. Uh, furthermore, the other, the other thing I'll say is that this is a guy who is uh, pretty unanimously like beloved and respected in Texas high school football ranks. Uh, a guy who I know has been a muckety-muck, for lack of a better word, on the THSCA board. Um, a guy who has very, very deep connections to Texas high school football coaches. So this strikes me. Uh, my initial thought when I heard this was that this reminds me a lot of when Baylor hired uh, Joey McGuire from Cedar Hill. Um, bringing in a guy. Now, this is an off-field role as opposed to they brought in Coach McGuire for an on-field role. But in a lot of ways, if anything, it kind of reminds me of um, they, when they hired David Wetzel uh, also, who was there in San Antonio. He kind of took over what is now the role of director of high school relations there at Baylor. Matt Rule brought him in. This reminds me a lot of that. Um, a guy who is obviously is, is a successful head coach in his own right, a successful, good, a great football mind, uh, and a good program builder, uh, but also a guy who has those relationships that college coaches really value. And so, as a result, uh, a really, really big pickup there, I would say, for the um, for the Texas Longhorns, they grab uh, uh, Chris Gilbert from Lancaster. I will I also think- say that I think that Lank, go ahead. I think that the biggest thing, like you said, is not only do they have the respect of the high school football community through the administration, through the other coaches, the thing that makes Chris Gilbert and Joey McGuire so similar is you can see the clear love the players have for them. It's not only that they love their players, but those guys have so much respect for them that it, it makes perfect sense. I thought this was a fantastic big hire. Yeah. I was very savvy hire there by, um, by Steve Sarkeesian to bring on Chris Gilbert. I will also say that I think that Lancaster is going to be an interesting job and a job to keep an eye on. I think that there are going to be a lot of people who are um, who are interested in that job. So keep an eye on that on Lancaster. Uh, but that is now open as Chris Gilbert is leaving to go be the director of high school relations at the University of Texas. Uh, let's go to the other side of the Lone Star rivalry and talk a little bit about Texas A&M. Uh, we will be remiss, and we'll probably get into this. I don't, I don't script out uh, this week in recruiting. That's uh, that's Greg Powers' job. But we will be remiss if we didn't talk about the heater that Texas A&M recruiting is on. Uh, they have been, um, they have been really, really red hot lately, uh, especially both in the class of 2021, I believe, as well as uh, the class of 2022. Um, they, they added in a few guys like uh, Jameer Johnson, uh, the, the tackle transfer from Tennessee. He's coming in, but but over the past couple of days and, and, and really the past week, they've landed a commitment uh, from Connor Wigman, uh, the quarterback at Bridgeland, 
that's a, a four-star guy. I haven't checked our DCTF Hot 100 right yet, but a guy who I, I would presume is very highly rated uh, there. He's a guy that, that I think is really, you know, rising up the recruiting charts, but they, they get uh, Connor Wakeman, the quarterback there. Uh, they also get a commitment from uh, Hunter Herb, the uh, tackle from uh, Northwest Eaton, from Hazlitt Eaton. Um, so big get for them, uh, but, uh, recruiting, keep an eye on AM. They've been on a recruiting heater lately. Uh, I'll be remiss. We'll probably get more into that on Wednesday when we talk with Greg powers, uh, for all things recruiting and this week in recruiting, but I wanted to, uh, we would be remiss. If we didn't mention that, but it's a big time get there. The so, other thing yeah. that we talked about, um, on our recruiting special the other day when it came to AM was this was, the, we know Jimbo's great at recruiting anyway, but this was the perfect time for them to strike the iron. Cause I compared it to, if you look at LSU after they won the national championship, recruits started coming left and right. And it was like, then they had a down year. They're all falling out. So it's like A&M has that shot mm-hmm. next year to really go into that next threshold as we called it. And this was the perfect time for them to be getting recruits like this. Yeah. It's been it's been a really really good stretch here from basically since National Signing Day mm-hmm. uh, for Texas A&M, and so it's a really nice uh, stretch here recruiting wise for the Aggies. Uh, we actually had pickle <laughs> college football this weekend in we Texas. Uh, Texas teams. Uh, we remember a number of teams. Um, in fact, you know most teams decided to bump their football to the spring and that started this week now now a lot a few more start next week i think tarleton plays i will have the first fcs game of the spring next week uh, when tarleton plays but we had a number of division three games including uh mcmurray beats uh sol ross state 17 to 14 first win for the coach there uh texas lutheran uh the thriller of the week was texas lutheran over howard Payne, 39 38 um, uh, as they get uh, Seth Cosma, their quarterback, runs for a touchdown uh, in the final two minutes uh, to pull them within one. They decide to go for two and the win, and Cosma runs in for the score, uh, mm-hmm. and, and they get a 39-38 win over Howard Payne. Uh, Trinity takes down Austin High, or I'm Austin. I'm sorry, Austin College, uh, back in the high school football <laughs> world, uh, 35-24. Uh, 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 East Texas Baptist takes down Southwestern. 2817 uh and um also uh baylor is doing maryhard and baylor things uh they beat uh bellhaven 41 to nothing in emphatic fashion so yeah we actually have college football we're going to try to get our college football insider Corey hogue on the show later this week we were supposed to uh the you know full disclosure we were supposed to have him on thursday the thursday show obviously did not happen but uh yeah so we're going to try to reschedule him for this week to talk a little bit of uh, small school call or small college football across the state of Texas for the spring. So there's that. And then one last story pickle from the weekend. And this was another story we had kind of got uh, caught wind of uh, about a week ago. Uh, but um, we've got a, we've got a, a major, a major star in the high school football world who, who's leaving us. Uh, you may remember uh, Marco Regalado. Page who 12. was the – I'm sorry? I said page 12. He's our page 12 yeah, guy page 12. in the magazine. <laughs> page 12. Page 12 in the magazine. Uh, he was the assistant coach who went viral over the summer on TikTok mm-hmm. doing all these, like, coaching impressions and things like that. Uh, he went um, – he was going viral and stuff like that. He left – I believe he was at PSJA Southwest. Yes, the green one. Mm-hmm. The wolves. That sounds right. 
Uh, he left there to go to Hazlitt Eaton. He moved from the Rio Grande Valley to the DFW Metroplex. He spent a year on the staff at Hazlitt Eaton, and he's on the move again, this time out of the state of Texas and out of high school football. Uh, he is going to join the staff at Washington State uh, as uh, part of their, uh, I believe, part of their recruiting uh, you know, group. Obviously, you know, Washington State, like uh, like uh, like most co- uh, programs, wants to make inroads in the state of Texas. Um, and uh, Nick Rolovich, their 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 coach, uh, decided to to call a guy here in the state of Texas that uh, that he had seen, that he had seen. And so, uh, yeah, uh, Marco Regalado is is leaving uh, the state of Texas to go be uh, uh, on the staff at Washington State. Uh, congratulations to him. That's uh, that's a, a remarkable a remarkable rise there in the past. It's been a pretty crazy thirteen months for him, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, congratulations to Coach Regalado uh, as he is. Uh, we'll, we'll certainly miss him desperately here in the state of Texas, but uh, but happy for him uh, to find uh, find his way up into the college ranks, joining the staff there at Washington State. So uh, something to keep an eye on there. Yeah, so it's very, very cool for him. That's, uh, that's not. Uh, that's not a that's not a move I've heard a lot of is uh, high school assistant coach to college staff, but uh, I suppose it happens. But it yeah. happened here, so congratulations, Coach Rocolato. Those are some headlines from the weekend. We're at Texas football today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com. Talking football on the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, facebookcom Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, instagramcom Campbell's. and of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. All right, Pickle, it's time to continue our series of college football postmortems. Look at the 12 FBS teams in the state of Texas. We're halfway done, uh, and we are going to pick up the second half with uh, undisputedly the number one team in the state of Texas in 2020, uh, and that would be the Texas A&M Aggies. Uh, let's do our postmortem report on them. And the Aggies, of course, they, they win the Orange Bowl, uh, and you know we're we're on the outside looking in for the college football playoff, but uh, a team that I think had a, a under you know obviously a rousing success there for Jimbo Fisher in his third year. And so let's get into our grades. We're going to start on the offense, and I'm going to give the offense an A. Um, probably closer to an A minus than an A plus, but I mean that's picking nits. Um, this is a team that I thought had remarkable balance. And they went out there, and yes, they had Kellen Mond, and they had some receivers emerge as weapons on the outside. Um, but they were a team that fundamentally uh, got where they were going because they were able to run the ball, because they were able to get Isaiah Spiller going, because they were able to get that big offensive line going. And all started with that offensive line. I thought the offensive line was spectacular for AM this year. Really, really good. Obviously, they were able to run the ball very effectively, but they were also able to keep Kellen Mond clean this is a team that only uh, that allowed just the fourth highest sack rate uh, in, or, you know, rather they, they had the fourth lowest sack rate in the country. Uh, really impressive from the offensive line. And it was that offensive balance that yes, Kellen Mond, I think he had a good season on balance. He had some times where he looked spectacular and some times where he looked uh, relatively average, but overall on balance, I think he had a good season the balance they were able to install in that offense was exceptionally impressive. And that was, that was, I thought that that was very impressive to see. And, 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 and I thought, I think there was, there's every reason to think that the 2020 a and offense is, uh, is something to celebrate. So yeah, 
I would give them an A uh, offensively for uh, for uh, for Texas A&M. Let's go to the defense now. On the defense, I'm also going to give them an A. Uh, an A on the defensive side, and this I would say is probably closer to an A plus than an A minus. But this is um, this is gonna I'm gonna you know again pick nits here. Um, but the defense was great, and it was great. Mm-hmm. Kind of, you're starting to see in my mind. You started to see the um, what the recruiting has really gone towards, which is that front seven. The front seven was just elite. It was elite, elite, elite. Uh, I mean, you're talking about a team that was tenth in the nation in rushing. You know, as far as you know, opponent rushing average. Uh, they were they were very good. They got us in the quarterback. They were 21st in sack rate. They were a team that really got after it up front. And look, the secondary was good. It was not spectacular. It was good. It was definitely, you know, compared to the front seven, it was definitely the weaker part, but it held up its end of the bargain. And as a result, I thought that the defense was just awesome. Uh, I, I, I thought the defense was uh, probably the best unit in the state. And and that was really impressive to watch. And so on balance, when you get A on offense and A on defense, you know, obviously you're gonna have a great season. I think the um, so th- the front seven being so good was just the key, especially when you're talking about SEC ball, because there's just superstar quarterback after superstar quarterback and along with a plethora of wide receivers. So if you can just eliminate that, which is what AM did, they didn't have to rely on their defensive backs to be just unbelievably superb. Yeah. They got after the quarterback, uh, and they they pressured the quarterback, and 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 as a result, that 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 made the the job of the secondary, which again was good but not great, uh, it made them all the better. So yeah, I thought that they were spectacular. Um, okay, so let's look forward to twenty twenty one. Obviously, they're going to enter. I I made the bold prediction when they got left out, or the bold bold statement that when they got left the out of the college football playoff. Oh, I'm sorry, the MVP. Let's do the MVP. <laughs> Uh, team MVP for me is Isaiah Spiller. That to me was the difference, the ability to run the ball and find that dynamic running threat to make Kellen Mond, not to take the pressure off Kellen Mond, because that's not the right way to put it, mm-hmm. to make Kellen Mond even more dangerous, right? That when he was able to hold on, to the, you know, whenever he was able to pull on play action, you you don't have to just be like, we're just going to sit back and in and, and, and coverage and make Kellen Mond pick us apart. We don't think he can, Right. To have that viable running threat, and Isaiah Spiller was absolutely that. They were spectacular running the ball. Um, and Isaiah Spiller, to me, was the engine that made that offense go, mm-hmm. that he was the consistent threat that they had all year long. And so he gets my team MVP. Uh, so let's move on to 2021 expectations. And obviously, you know, I made the I made the case that when they got left out of the college football playoff, I thought that was actually good for their mm-hmm. 2021 prospects. Meaning, what I mean is that whenever Notre Dame gets launched into the sun, which they did, time and, time um, again. and heck, Clemson got launched into the sun too. When they got launched into the sun, and AM goes out there and they beat a good North Carolina team in the Orange Bowl, all the conversation is going to be about, man, AM should have been in the playoff. See, mm-hmm. you know, AM should have been in the playoff. And I think it's because here's the thing if they had gotten in, they're going to go up against Alabama and they were going to lose. That's not, that's not a knock on AM. That's a knock on everybody who's not Alabama. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, They were going to lose, and that would have ended – yes, they would have gotten in the playoff, but I feel like this is the better way, that if you want to build up for 2021, this is the way to do it. Now, look, they have got some major rebuilding to do offensively. 
Um, And I feel like this is something we're going to talk about a lot, but this is a team that loses a ton offensively, not just Kellen Mond, obviously, right? Not just Kellen Mond, but also, you know, they're losing Dan Moore up front. They're losing Ryan McCollum up front. They're losing Jared Hooker up front. Uh, on that's on the offense. They're losing Jamon Osmond, their their wide receiver. He's off the NFL draft. Okay, they're losing Bobby Brown, Anthony Hines, and Buddy Johnson all early to the NFL draft. Okay, mm-hmm. all those guys are going to the NFL draft. They're also losing, uh, you know, a, a fair amount for, in in the transfer portal as well. They are going to get hit hard uh, by graduation. They're going to get hit hard by players leaving. They're going to have some rebuilding to do. Not only a new quarterback. They're going to need to rebuild that offensive line. Uh, there's a lot to do. Now, I think the defense, actually, yeah, they lose to me. They're two of their best defensive players, Bobby Brown and Buddy Johnson. But I do think that getting guys like Jaden Peavy back is going to be important. I think getting guys like Leon O'Neal back is going to be important. Um, I think the defense has a chance to be just as good next year. The mm-hmm. offense has some pieces to replace. And that's going to be where it is. Now, they're going to start with a lot of hype. Right, they're going to be. In fact, they're going to be the sexy pick mm-hmm. uh, going into the year, like nationally. They will be the sexy pick. But how that offense comes together, and especially the offensive line, which is so good, and especially at the quarterback spot, if they can answer those two questions, it's full steam ahead. But they got to answer those two questions. That's what makes me. That's what makes me so interested in the Aggies heading into twenty twenty one. There's going to be a lot of hype around them. Mm-hmm. Can they fill in those key pieces? Uh, especially at the linebacker core, offensive line, and quarterback. If they can do that, they're going to be right back in the mix. So mm-hmm. that is a post-mortem report for Texas a Let's move on, Pickle, to TCU. 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 We'll talk about the Horn Frogs. Horn Frogs, uh, what was their final record? Their final record was, my goodness, why can't I find this? TCU's final record was, I, don't know, I probably should have this up, where it Six and four. Thank you. Six and four. Uh, and, and they had their bowl game against Arkansas Kansas. Interesting. They go six and four. Uh, let's hand out some grades. Let's start with the offense. The offense, I'm going to give a C. I'm going to give a C. And people who watch this show are going to hear – they're going they're probably tired of us saying this. But this comes down to – you just can't ask Max Duggan to go out there and to win do it by himself. Everything <laughs> to do everything right now. I think Max Duggan's really good. I like Max Duggan. He was Why? great this year. Um, I thought he was really good this year. Yeah, uh, I got nothing bad to say. Not too much bad to say about Max Duggan, but basically, he was their whole offense, and they were not able to find consistently a secondary threat, specifically on the ground. Right? Mm-hmm. They're leaning on a lot of young running backs. Right? Three freshmen were their three leading. Well, let me rephrase. Max Duggan was their leading rusher mm-hmm. <laughs> at the quarterback spot, but the next three leading rushers for them were all freshmen. Okay, mm-hmm. Darwin Barlow, Zach Evans, and Kendra Miller. Okay, those are their next three leading rushers. They could not find offensive consistency on the ground, and as a result, that kind of hamstrung them when it counted. Right When you take a look at some of the games that they should have won, if they had had that little bit of offensive diversity, they were not able to have that balance. We talked a lot about how, when we were talking about A&M, about how Isaiah Spiller made Kellen Mond more dangerous. Mm-hmm. They could not consistently find somebody to make 
uh, to make uh, um, Max, Duggan. Uh, Max Duggan more dangerous. And that's the problem. And that's what it, ended up hamstringing them. The offense was, was good. Mm-hmm. It was okay. But it could have been great if they were able to find a, a reliable running game. And that was so frustrating because you literally saw the games where they did have someone else to rely on. They were blowing people out of the water. Like, there was no doubt heading into the second half that TCU was going to keep rolling on those games. And it was just, it was there, but it wasn't executed consistently. And that was very frustrating. I agree. So, that's my offensive greatest seed. Defense, I'm going to give an A-. minus. Um, I liked this TCU defense. That's not a surprise, right? Now, I would say, again, if we're picking this, I would say it's closer to a B-plus than an A, but... A minus is where I landed. Um, I thought that the secondary was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, the front did not get as much pressure as I was hoping for, but they were still pretty darn good. That's that's probably asking too much, uh, but I think we just grown so accustomed to what Gary Patterson defenses can do. Uh, I thought the defense overall was excellent, um, and and there's not a whole lot really to complain about. Um, I thought that especially the secondary was 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 very very good. Uh, the front seven was pretty good. And as a result, I landed on an A- minus for the defensive grade. Uh, the team MVP, um, I'm going to go with Trevon Morig. Uh, you know, I never, you know, I, I see Trevon Morig, and I also see Trevon Morig Woodard, and I never really know uh, which one to call him. But uh, anyway, Trevon Morig, the safety, uh, the uh, the spring, uh, uh, the, the Smithson Valley product, uh, is the easy pick here. He was a Jim Thorpe Award winner. Uh, I, I don't think uh, I, I need to, to tell you that he was um, uh, he was our pick coming into the year as the top defensive back in the in the state. Uh, he was uh, he was a, a guy who was the top returning preseason All American. He ended up winning uh, the Jim Thorpe Award, which was handed out to the best defensive back. Uh, yeah, Javon Morg was great. He's really really good, uh, and and a guy who I think really led the strength of that defense, which was on the, uh, the uh, in the secondary. So yeah, that's going to uh, be a, a big, big uh, shout out to him. Key to fill for them. They've got yes, to find another guy back now there. Now we go when you go looking into 2021. Um, it's a couple of things. One, uh, they are going to um, they, they are going to have to replace some key pieces, especially in that secondary. They're losing Trevon Morg and Ardarius Washington, mm-hmm. um, so that's that's a, a loss. Uh, Pro Wells, their tight end, is heading to the NFL as well. They they got hit really hard by the um, by the uh, the transfer portal as well. But they've also made some some moves. For example, they're bringing Chandler Morris. I don't know if you guys do heard that. Mm-hmm. They're bringing Chandler Morris as at the quarterback spot. Now, I don't think he's. Go- I do not think he's going to usurp Max Duggan. But you know, strange things happen. Um, this is a this is a TCU team that will bring back a lot offensively. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things about being very young offensively is that you take your lumps and you're able to then bring back a lot of those guys. So when I talk about how their four leading rushers were their sophomore quarterback in Max Duggan and then three freshman running backs, well, all those guys are back, right? All those guys are going to have another year under their belt. Uh, that's huge for them as well. I believe they bring back four of the five offensive linemen as well. The offense could really cook. Defense is going to be middle of the road, right? They're losing a lot of the stars, as we mentioned, uh, like Morig, like our Darius Washington. But a lot of the nuts and bolts are also going to be back as well. If you're looking for a team that I think could be poised, if the Big 12 slips a little bit and it kind of comes back to the pack now, you're talking Oklahoma. If you're talking about another team that could launch into that top three Mm -hmm. going into 2021, I think TCU could be that bet. If a lot of those guys, those youngsters on the offense, 
take that next step and the defense kind of holds firm at what they are. I think this could be one of those teams that could be in for a leap in 2021. I'm bullish on TCU heading into 2021. Well, yeah, uh, and the other thing is the other thing is too on they didn't sign anyone on early signing day and then they only signed 13 people on national signing day. Mm-hmm. So they knew. I feel like Gary had it in his mind all along like last year they saw some flashes of positivity. So go ahead, run with those new guys. Don't don't Give him away. Don't try and bring in other transfer talent. He's doing his thing where he's keeping mm-hmm. his people. He likes what he's got in the system. He just needs to put it together now. So I think that that's all in the plan. So I think it's fair to be bullish on him heading into 2021. Yeah, I think so. So that is the TCU Horn Frogs. All right, let's go round it out. Let's talk about the Texas State Popcats. Talk about the Texas State Popcats. Um, we're going from like, why do we go in this order? You we went from scheduled TCU, it. <laughs> or we went from a, I know. We went from A&M, where it's like, we're feeling really good, to TCU, where it's like, okay, you know, we middling, but arrows pointing upward. To... Now we're talking about Texas State. <laughs> Texas State. So let's start start with the, the offensive grade. Uh, I'm going to give the offense a D+. Plus. Uh, D+, plus, this is an offense that the number... I'll tell you that the numbers are not... I think the numbers do them a little bit more justice than they actually were. Um, they were they, they scored 27 points a game. That's like 66 in the nation. It's middle of the road. They were 370 yards of total offense. But I think if you dig down, I think that there were bigger problems there that they were able they were unable to find any sort of consistency. I think part of it is that you never knew who was going to be the guy that they were going to ask to step up each week. Was it going to be Brady McBride? Was it going to be Tyler Vitt? Was it going to be Brock Sturgis? Was it going to be Calvin Hill? Like, who were they going to? What was Texas State's offensive identity? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, look, I do think, again, this is probably closer to a C-minus than a D-plus. But their offense, plain and simple, they were just so all over the place. Like, the most consistent guy they had was probably their receiver in Marcel Barbe. Um, this was a guy that, you know, he's probably their most consistent playmaker. But this was a team that... And I think a lot of it started at the quarterback spot, right? The, the the with Brady McBride. Now, part of it was injury. Part of it was just kind of shuffling things around with Tyler Vip. They were never able to get consistent play under center, and I think that really hamstrung them. Mm-hmm. But for an offense that we kind of expected to take flight in 2020, um, it just never did. The other thing about them is, you know, look, this is a team that was not able to really run the ball very effectively, at least consistently. Um the offensive line was only okay, and they were just a little bit too loose with the football. Mm-hmm. Like they, they were, they were not very good offensively, or they were not very good in the turnover margin. Um, and so, I give them a D plus. I might give them a C minus if I were rethinking it, but a D plus is what I ended up coming up with. Uh, for, I think for you, you, you can look State. at that for like a tale of two seasons, basically, like a tale of two halves, because yeah. in those first couple of games when they were like a point away from winning you know it was like the offense was churning pretty well and then I don't know if it was a moral like a a mental thing or a morale issue like they they died off in the second half of the season and then it was like yeah we're not gonna win any of these yeah it was mm, just yeah the the offense just really kind of kind of lost steam there at the end Mm -hmm. there were times where they looked great and there were other times where they just really really looked like they didn't want to be out there okay Let's go to the defense. Uh, giving them a D minus. I held off. I held off on it now. But I gave them a D minus. Guys, this is a bad defense. 
It's a real bad defense pretty much everywhere you look. If you look at like the just the top line stats of like total offensive scoring offense, it was real bad. If you look at the, if you dig down into it, it was real bad. Here's the problem for them. Okay. Here's the two biggest things. One, they could not stop the run, like at all. At all. They were they gave up more than five yards a carry on the season, which is terrible. Okay. They could not stop the run. And if you can't stop the run, that's usually bad, but you can make up for it if you make those splash plays, if you get sacks, if you get interceptions and stuff like that. And they just flat out didn't. Like, they just didn't. They were 97th in the nation in interception rate. They were 123rd in sack rate. 123rd. Miserable. Miserable. They did, They like, it's one, if you're going to be Ben, don't break, that's fine. But you've got to make plays at some point. And they just didn't. Like, that was the biggest thing, is they just didn't make those plays. So they get a D- minus from me on the defensive side. Um, my all- team MVP is going to be Marcel Barbie, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the wide receiver who was, again, their most consistent threat. 40 catches, 584 yards, 10 touchdowns. Uh, he had more. Uh, he had uh, twice as many uh, touchdowns as any other player on the team. Uh, he was their most consistent threat and a guy that I think certainly deserving of being their team MVP. Uh, Marcel Barbie gets my gets my nod for for that. Okay, so let's talk about next year. Next year, um, I will say this: if you want to be bullish, if you want to say, well, the offense is really young and they've got everybody coming back, like you're right, right? They're going to kind of run it back. And that was one of the things that, like, it's become apparent. And, and by the way, go listen to Republic of Football. They do a great deep dive on Texas State kind of going forward and what the the direction of the program is. Um, I would love to really – I would love to talk to Jake Spavital over a beer and and get the truth of the matter on basically, like, how did they treat the 2020 season? Because I think what he did – they are losing a very, very, very few amount of players. Mm-hmm. And I think he went to the guy, to his guys and said, look, you're all getting an extra year of eligibility. Mm-hmm. Let's just run it back. Let's use this as basically like extra practice time. I hate to say mm-hmm. that, but it's true. That's why they did not sign. If you, if you saw on, on signing day, they did not sign a single high school player. Yeah. Texas State mm-hmm. did not sign a single high school player. Okay. They got some transfers coming in. They did not sign a single high school player. And I think what Spavital is banking on is I like the guys I have on campus, but they've got to, they've got to grow up. Like this is a risk. You know what I mean? This is a risk. And it's going to be really fascinating to see what comes up because a lot of their production is coming back, right? A lot of the guys are coming back, you know, they're going to be pretty well loaded offensively and it's, and the defense while not great, does was pretty young and brings back a lot of those guys. So the question now becomes, can they put it all together and will that extra year make like make it count? Like will that will the extra year lead to growth? That's the big question. Texas State is kind of treating this is a weird comparison, but they're kind of treating 2020 like Houston I think tried to treat 2019. Yeah, right? the tanking. Where Houston, <laughs> I, with well, the tanking, so to speak, yeah, with Dier King redshirting mm-hmm. in the middle of the season and things like that, like all those players kind of redshirting. I think that Dana Holgerson was like, let's run this back next year, right? 
let's run let's get reinforcements let's run this back next year mm-hmm. that obviously didn't work out for houston although they haven't had a normal year since dana holgerson has, has arrived on campus so let's give them a little bit of time texas state is tr- i think is using what uh, covid and using this 2020 season which is so strange and the extra year of eligibility for everybody and say let's run it back let's try it again let's just get a year older and a year more experienced and try it again next year but just it's bold it's interesting how long does this go like does it go until spav gets fired or does it go till it eventually starts working that you don't you don't sign any high school players i mean clearly he keeps bringing in these transfers i think this is a i think this is a i think this is a one-year thing I think this is a, I think this is a, for the most part a one year thing. I mean, obviously he loaded up on JUCO guys last year. He hasn't recruited a ton of high school guys. I feel like he's been doing it days. though. Uh, what What I will say, I think, and again, I'm not trying to speak for Jake Spavital. He's got to answer for his own program. I think he sees the state of the program, mm-hmm. and I think he wants to get old quickly. That has was always that was one of his things he wanted to do when he got there. He wanted to get old quickly. Well, now he's got this kind of free pass and to do that with the extra year because of the COVID-19 pandemic, that to me represents an opportunity for him to say, all right, we just, we just, we, we, we just jumped ahead in our progression of what we wanted to do. Let's just, let's like, let's make the whole plane out of the strategy, Mm -hmm. right? Let's go whole hog. Just everybody stay. We've got our guys. We're just going to get a year older. We're, we're going to close ranks and run it back next year. That's a bold strategy. It, it, mm-hmm. it's, it, and it may not work. And if it doesn't work, he's probably paying for it with his job, right? Probably not in 2021, mm-hmm. but if they have a bad 2021 and they have a bad 2022, they're probably pulling the, pulling the ripcord. I am I'm very interested in Texas State next year. They're a really high-variance team, and we're going to see how the strategy pays off for Jake Spavital and, going forward. And I for mean, State. don't get me wrong. I would love to be proved wrong on this. Absolutely love to be proved wrong on it. But I'm mm-hmm. just still so in the mindset of seeing some of these guys that are getting passed up, like ELM, you've got Andrew Body, And it's like, why are, why are you not? But you know what? Another thing about that too is the person who is offering those guys is Jeff, Jeff Trailer. So if we see UTSA start making sure. moves with that, maybe we start to see a little bit different. We'll get... We get one of each side here, so I would love to be proven wrong. Yeah, but I'm it's, not it's, super it's hot. It's really on Texas interesting. State. <laughs> Texas State, Texas State, I think is is probably heading into 2021. I think they're the most interesting team in the state. Yeah. Um, and I'm really intrigued to see where they go from there. So there you go. There's a postmortem report on the Texas State podcast. And now we go live to Ashley Pickle for America's second favorite segment. Final thoughts. I thought of one other question that we didn't dis- uh, discuss in the pre-show. What was your favorite commercial from last night? Did you have a oh, favorite Super Bowl? Uh, I, I, um, I had it. No. I had it muted for most of it. Hmm. Yeah, I had it muted for most of it. Well, I'll I say mine. I no. love the Cheetos one with Shaggy. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that one, one was good. good. I, um, someone tweeted out last night. I, they were like, who at Cheetos said, oh, don't worry. I think I can get Shaggy. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. That's, um, I like that. Did you see the oat milk commercial? Yeah, they spent money on the that. The guy singing about oat milk? What? 
I loved it. It stuck in my head. Of course you did. Are you going to try oat milk really now? Good. No, absolutely not. But it's really, it's really, it's really good. <laughs> um, yeah, that'll probably be the one that I, that I stick with. The, uh, the State okay. Farm with Drake was good, too. Oh, with Drake. Yeah, the Drake that one was from good. State Farm. Mm-hmm. It's cute. It's, it's cute. I like, has they All brought right. back That's the Hey Rogers? <laughs> That's going to do it for us. Thanks for spending a little bit of your day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com for Ashley Pickle. I'm Greg Tepper. Uh, Vince Young, you just have to trust me. It's at the studio, but we can't go to the studio right now. Please can get your player of the year trophy. We'll see you tomorrow. Texas Football Today for Hot Take Tuesday.